What's going on, family? This is Pastor Sergio Chavez, and I just want to thank you for tuning into the Hope Center podcast. We've been in the Lead Me to the Cross series, and we've been looking at the lives of now, today, it will be three individuals who encountered Jesus, who were led to the cross, so to speak, who, who had their encounters with the Lord. And so we're going to continue in that same uh, uh, frame of thought, and we're going to present a, a new person who had an encounter with the Lord. But before I get into that, I want to paint a couple scenarios for you, and I want to know how, how you would react. I want you to just listen to these scenarios and show me by your gestures and by your face and, and your head movements uh, how you would react. Imagine that you are speeding about 30, 40 miles over the limit. Let's just imagine that, right? Now, you already have some things going on with your record and your license, and, 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 and you know that you can't be going down that path, but all of a sudden, you see the lights just pull up behind you. Anybody know that feeling when the lights just pull up behind you? Lord, have you start breaking out. What happened? You start sweating. That's when you really start praying and interceding, don't you? There's, Lord, Holy Ghost, help me. Please deliver me, God. Oh, y'all not going to keep it real with me. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Your heart start beating fast, and, and imagine, you know, uh, then the police officer pulls you over, and then you start having that conversation, and you're nervous, and you know that you're about to get into some real, real deep trouble, and you know you're supposed to get a fine, you know you're supposed to go to court, you know. Imagine if he tells you, knowing everything you got going on, he says, you know what, I'm going to forgive you of this. Imagine that. How would you react? Huh? Could you show me? Would you be happy? Would you be excited? Right? Yeah, happy, excited. Somebody went like this. I got one person that, that did this, right? Yeah, just, just, just imagine that. But he doesn't eliminate the take. He says, I'm going to take care of it. Okay, imagine this. You, you've racked up debt, right? You've racked up debt, and, and you know you have a lot of debt in your credit card, but you absolutely have to make another purchase, and you know how much debt you have on your credit card, but you have to make a purchase. And imagine as you're going to swipe. Anybody ever had to pray before swiping? Oh, y'all never, man, I'm talking to some bougie folks up in here. I'm talking about people that have been through things that you're like, Lord, please, in Jesus' name, make that thing clear, clear, clear approve. Thank you, Lord. And imagine the cashier telling you, you know what? I, 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 I see that you have a lot of debt. I'm going to pay for your debt. How, yeah, now y'all getting more excited. Y'all getting the hint of it, right? Imagine you had, I'm talking about the, the most important exam of your life. The most important exam. Students going to feel this one. You're going to feel this in your spirit. I'm talking about you're already burnt out. You already have, you have so many assignments and you feel so uh, uh, unprepared for the most important exam of your life. And the professor just goes to the front of the class and says, you know what? I've canceled the exam for today. How would you react? Ah, uh, now I got some people that really feel me. Just imagine that. You know what that's called, what I've described in these scenarios? That's something called grace. That's called grace. Grace is unmerited or undeserved favor. And when we talk about biblical grace, what we experience with God is undeserved or unmerited favor, but it's at Christ's expense. 
Now I'm, I, I, I'm gonna help you all because y'all looking at me like y'all a little lost right now. I hope I hope I hope you get ready because I, I you know I was out last week, so I feel like preaching today. Is that all right with you? Uh, is that all right with you? Uh, so 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 it's very important to understand the concept of biblical grace because see this is a topic and a concept that I get extremely excited about knowing that God has grace for us if there's anything that we should be grateful for today as a church as individual is that God has grace over our lives See, there's some people that have never done anything, never committed any crime, never made a mistake, and, and, and this message may not resonate with you, but there are other people that have made mistakes, that have fallen once or twice, people that have had setbacks, people that have not uh, hit the mark at all times, but yet God has always showed us grace. I'm grateful for grace because the reason I'm standing here today is not because of my looks. I wouldn't make it far if it were by my looks. It's not because of my intelligence. I wouldn't make it too far, but I'm standing today because of the grace of God over my life and I want to know if in the house I have people that understand the reason I'm here the reason I'm alive is not by my doing it's the grace of God that's been over my life I get excited when I talk about the grace of God because it, 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 it absolutely fills me with joy to know that even when I'm faithless, God remains faithful. The grace of God. That's why I don't need people to tell me when to praise God. And I don't only do it at church. I'm driving and I say, I, I just, I thank you, Jesus just comes out of me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody, anybody ever been that grateful with God that you don't need people to, to prompt you to praise God? You just break out in praise and in worship because you know what he's done in your life. You knew that before Christ, how broken and lost and how confused you were, but he turned your situation around. He filled you with peace, with joy, with comfort. That's the grace of God. I'm preaching better than how you're responding. Do I have anybody that will help me preach and knows what I'm talking about? about the grace the grace the grace the grace of God it's inexhaustible the grace of God it's infinite and you see that's why we're able to have relationship with God today because of his grace because if it were by good deeds we would never hit the mark if it were by our doing, if it were, if it were by, by your standard, you wouldn't be able to hit the mark. But it's by his grace. And see, a lot of people have been intimidated and people have been pushed away because of, because of laws, dogmas, and religion. A lot of people have, been, have felt that they, there was no way to get to God because of that. But I want to introduce the real God of the Bible because many people depict God as just some angry old being in heaven who's waiting to just condemn you, judge you, and throw lightning bolts at you. That's why you never came to church because the people that were preaching and the people that were teaching, they depicted God in a certain light. But I want to introduce to you the real God of the Bible, the real Jesus of the Bible, and he was all about grace. That's the real Jesus of the Bible. He was gracious. See, there, there, there's two different covenants. There's two different testaments. There's the Old Testament that was under law. Then there's the New Testament where Jesus shows up, and it's, it's called a time of grace. The new covenant is of grace. And when Jesus came to the scene, he clashed with a lot of religious figures because he was a rabbi. Because he was a devoted rabbi, he was a scholar, he was a person that knew the law of God, but yet he was still hanging out with sinners. 
He would still have relationships with people that would tell that, that society would cast aside. The people that were looked over, the people who were disenfranchised, the people who were hurting, and the religious people of that time would look over, Jesus would say, how can I meet them where they are at? That's the Jesus of the Bible. He was always about relationship. And that's the reason we have access to God today, because it is through the grace of God. And we see a picture of grace in the book of John. In, verse, in chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, if you have your phones out today, if you have your Bible, I want, you, I want us to read that together. We don't have that on the screen, so I want you to pull your phone out. I want you to use that, 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 that Bible app you have on your phone, some of you. Praise the Lord. I encourage you to download a Bible app on your phone uh, if you have your Bible. In John chapter 8, we see a depiction of the grace of God. If you don't know where it's at, look at the table of contents, look at the index there. Book of John, New Testament, chapter 8, the big 8, the little one. Here we go. It says, Then each went to his own home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Verse 3 says, the teachers of the law, uh, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, very important to understand, who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the religious elite. They were the, the scholars. They were the people that knew the law, and so they were well-studied. They were very religious. They were all about upholding traditions and, 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 these, and, these, and these laws during that time. So the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They said they, uh, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. They kept on questioning him. He straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. So they had the stones. They were ready to give it to her. They were ready to stone her to death. And then he said, if any of you have never sinned, if any of you... Uh, 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 have, have never committed sin let him be the first one and they started to put the stones down and says at this those who heard began to go away one at a time the older ones first only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there look at verse 10 it says Jesus straightened up and asked her so now he's having a dialogue a conversation with this woman he says woman where are they has no one condemned you and in verse 11, no one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. This is a picture of grace. Let me give you a little context as to what's taking place here. So Jesus is teaching. They go get a woman and bring her to Jesus and say, we just caught this woman in an act of adultery. The law says we should stone this woman to death. Jesus knew the law. He was a rabbi. But they were trying to trap him. 
They said, we're going to see how he responds to this. Because, in fact, the law did say that such an act was worthy of being stoned. But here's the thing. Then the Roman law of that day was that nobody could be executed unless it was run through the Roman courts. So if he said, yes, we need to stone her, then that would, that would go against the Roman law. That's why they were trying to trap him. But if he said no, then he would be going against the Levitical law. So, so either way, whether he says yes or no, what, he, what, he, what they were trying to do is trap him in this situation. We're going to see how he responds. And so this woman uh, was, wasn't really coming, uh, they weren't really coming for justice. She was being used as a pawn because they really wanted to accuse him of something. They wanted to get Jesus out the way because Jesus was a man who was claiming to be the son of God. He was healing people. He was bringing people hope. He was restoring people's lives and people didn't like that. Because he was going against everything that they thought they knew about God and religion and, and a relationship with God. And so they were clashing with that. So they were trying to get rid of him. See, whenever God begins to do something in your life, there will always be people around that will try to go against and question what God is doing in your life. There will always be people that will criticize and try to trap you in a scenario because they say, no, this is not God. This, is, this can't be God that's doing this. And so he's in this place. They bring this woman, and Jesus is already sharp. He's already hip. He already knows what's taking place. He says, you know what? Okay, they're trying to trap me. Let me do something. He gets on the ground, and he begins to just write on the ground. Now... There's a lot of ideas as to what he wrote. Nobody, nobody really knows what he wrote. Some people were saying that he was, uh, as it was practiced during that time, during the Roman times, that he was writing out a judgment because it always had to be written out before it was declared. And so he's, he's, he's writing on the ground. Nobody really knows what's happening. But his words were, he who is without sin cast the first stone. If you, if you have lived up to all of the law, then you be the one to cast the stone. And he was digging a little deeper. If you just read that over the surface, you may not know exactly what he was referring to. But what was really taking place was, see, in order for somebody to really accuse someone of adultery, they had to be in the room with them witnessing the act of adultery. So he's saying, if you say that you witness this, then you're as guilty as, 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 as they are. If you witness this then you are as guilty as they are and by the way where was the man yeah, I didn't pick that up that's another message for another day praise the Lord all right they just pulled her out he said if you really witness this if you if, 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 if you are without sin go ahead and throw the stone and they started moonwalking their way out of that one they said you know what Praise the Lord, let me just put these stones down because I know I got a few skeletons in my closet. So they started back on up from the oldest to the youngest. They leave. And Jesus shows us a picture of what his grace is over our lives. He says, you know what? This woman was, they were trying to expose her, but she was getting ready to have an encounter with Jesus. Whenever we have an encounter with Jesus, if you are one of my note takers, I want you to write these two points that I have for you today. Whenever we have an encounter with Jesus, the first thing that will happen in our lives is that he will replace your guilt with grace. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. When you have an encounter with Jesus, he will replace your guilt with grace. And not only in one instant, in one moment, 
but on a daily basis, you will see the grace of God over your life. The, the thing is, guilt is a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, a crime or a wrongdoing, whether real or imagined. This woman was put in a place where she was supposed to be made guilty, but this is what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 6 verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but under grace. There's a lot of people that struggle and battle because in a moment of offense, in a moment where you feel that you do wrong, you automatically get a sense of guilt and because of that you start to feel disconnected from God. But I want to let you know today that there is grace for you today. Ah, thank you, Lord, for that. I, I want to I wanna speak into somebody's life who may have come to this place guilty. You've, you've been going through some guilt over the last couple days, and I want to let you know that God wants to replace your guilt with grace, not only for today, but every day of your life. Grace is available for you. You are no longer bound or subject to that sin, to that offense, but you are under the grace of God. So when you understand that you are under grace, you submit to God and say I messed up but God I, I believe in your grace and I'm gonna continue to persevere and walk because I believe that your grace is real over my life see when we have issues can, can I talk to you can, can we have real talk when we have issues we either deny it and try to avoid it or we try to focus on it you ever had an issue and all you would do all day and that is just focus on your issue some of us, what we try to do is we try to sweep the issue under the rug and act as if it never happened, act like it doesn't exist. Let me go ahead and just, uh, let me try to avoid that. But you will always find yourself being haunted by the thing that you're trying to avoid. You will always find yourself struggling with the thing that you're trying to avoid. So we either avoid it or we either focus on it. And so we can't move forward in life because the guilt is so strong and that we just focus on that guilt. But there's a third option. You can explore it and give it to God. In other words, you can confess to God because there are some people that believe that they can't come to God with guilt. That's not the God that I serve. Jesus was facing this woman who was feeling guilty for what she just did. They were exposing her. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that she was experiencing, the hurt and the pain of being exposed in that moment? She had guilt, but Jesus replaced her guilt with grace. He says, who condemns you? She said, no one. He said, neither do I. He replaced her guilt with grace. You have an option to either avoid your issue, you have an option to either, either focus and harp and dwell on your issue, or you can bring it to the cross. And let me tell you that there is no sin that is greater than the power of God. There is nothing that the power of God cannot heal there is nothing that the power of God cannot transform. Can I tell you, some of you may be saying, can God change my situation? Can God change my heart? I want to let you know that yes, in fact, God is powerful enough to deal with guilt and shame. God is powerful enough to transform your heart. Yes, he can handle the weight and the burden that you're carrying today. 
A lot of people say, no, you know what? I, I, I can't go to church. I can't pray. I can't have that connection because I'm too guilty. God will never hear my prayer. I want to let you know the devil is a liar because God's grace is greater than any guilt that you carry. You've got to bring it to the cross. Here's the thing. You ready to catch something? You ready to catch something? Let me know if you're ready to catch it. Let me know if you're ready to catch it. In order for you to heal, you've got to reveal. Did you catch it? When you hide, you try to conceal your issue. You try to conceal the things that you know that you struggle or battle with. You will never be able to overcome that thing by concealing it. But today, I want to declare to you that the healing of God is available. The grace of God is available when you reveal to God. You bring it to him and say, God, this is the area I'm battling with. This is the pain in my heart. This is the mental battle that I'm having. God, I'm bringing it to you because I have nowhere else to go. I don't know if anybody else has that testimony that you've gone to people and they haven't been able to deal with your situation you've run to things you've run to alcohol you've run to drugs you've run to relationships but it doesn't heal your heart I want to let you know when you bring it to the cross he's able to replace guilt with grace the second thing that happened here if you're taking notes is that he replaces her shame with salvation. When we encounter Jesus, when we run into the real Jesus, he will replace our shame with salvation. A lot of people believe that guilt and shame are the same thing, but they're in fact uh, uh, not exactly the same thing. They may go hand in hand at times, but the reality is about guilt is, 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 is what we feel towards God or towards ourselves. But shame, it, 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 what it does, it disconnects us from people. Guilt, uh, uh, guilt is a feeling of responsibility, remorse for an offense. But shame is the painful feeling arising from the consequences of something dishonorable, improper, ridiculous done by oneself or another. So what happens when we're, when we're full of shame, we feel inadequate. We feel unworthy. We feel dishonor. We feel regret. And we feel disconnected from people. Now, all of this is what this woman was dealing with. She not only was guilty because of the, the act that she committed towards herself, but now she was being exposed in front of people, and so that shame would have disconnected her from all of the people in the town because she would have had a reputation. So every time they would have seen her, they would have said, there goes such and such. Uh, 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 there, goes, there goes the drunkard. There goes the addict. There goes the one who has no hope, the one who has no future. There they go. Disconnection from people. But I love that he replaced her shame with salvation he says to her woman who condemns you she says no one he says neither do I here it is he offered her to repent he invited her to repent he said go here it is but leave your sin go move forward in life but sin no more that's called repentance a lot of people when they hear that word repentance they automatically they feel like this is a word that oh have mercy this is a this is a strong word but repentance let me tell you what it means repentance just simply means a change of mindset repentance simply means a turning of ways so he says to her listen I'm not condemning you I'm not putting you down and I'm not shaming you but he says go and sin no 
more. He replaces shame with salvation. Let me tell you what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. When we come and we encounter Jesus, He takes us as His own. We become sons. We become daughters. And because of our identity and our position, we ought to live our lives from that position and not according to our condition. Are you still with me? We are called to live based on our position, which is a son, which is a daughter. I'm so grateful to tell you today that you may have had a past. You may have had situations where people criticized you and you had a reputation. But today God is calling you a son. Today, God is calling you my daughter. Today, God calls you a man of God and a woman of God. Some of you may still believe that you are that person that you were in the past, that you're bound to that and that you're subject to that. But today, God says you have a new identity in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation through my son, Jesus. You've been adopted. When you get adopted, you have the rights and the privileges. Even though you're not blood, you have the rights and privileges as if you were blood. He, he says, you've been adopted by the grace of God. Now you are God's. You are his. You are not of the world. You are not of Satan. You are not of the criticism of the things that people said about you. You are God's. So you're called to walk out of that position and not your condition. Because some of you say, God, I, I may be a son or a daughter, but I don't feel that. You've got to declare, I am a man of God. I am a woman of God. I am a son. I am a daughter. And you walk out, live your life based on that position you have in Christ. Let me tell you what Romans chapter 5. This mic of mine. Romans 5, verse 9 through 11. Look what it says. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we've now been reconciled to. We have now been reconciled to. He replaces shame with salvation. So many people carry shame from their past, shame from the criticisms. And so you say, you know what, I, I, uh, church is not for me because, because you've been told if you committed this sin, you can't be up in this church before. Okay, maybe y'all never experienced that. Maybe you were told if you looked a certain way, you couldn't get to God because you have to look a certain way, because you have to speak a certain way, you have to come from a specific background, you got to know how to quote specific verses, but can I tell you today that the God of the Bible is a God of grace, that it doesn't matter how far you've been from God, that there is no place that you can go, that God is not able to reach, there is no place in your heart that you can be so far from God that he's not able to heal, you shouldn't walk with shame because you have a family in this place and you are connected even when you feel down even when you feel discouraged you have a place in this church where you belong because we've been reconciled with God through salvation this is the law this is the gap 
that people were struggling with because they wanted access to God. They wanted to have a relationship with God. They wanted to reach him. But see, there, there, was, there was a gap that was filled with the law. In order for you to access God, you had to present sacrifices. You had to do it through people. And some of us, a lot of times, nowadays, what we try to do is fill this gap. When we try to get to God, we struggle because we say we want to reach that place. We want to get to the place where God is. But there is this gap that makes it impossible. There is this space that makes it impossible. And so we try to say, well, if I'm a good person, then maybe I'll get to God. But can I tell you, there's no good deeds that will, that will give you access to God. doesn't matter how much of a good person you are. And, 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 and some people say, well, let me try to fill this space by just, uh, by just uh, doing my thing and, and and just enjoying life because there's no way I can get to there anyway so I might as well just do my own thing and so it's this space that we constantly battle with but when Jesus shows up on the scene he says listen I know that you can't get to God on your own so I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna build relationship with you to let you know how you can get to me the Bible says that Jesus declared I am the way the truth and the life that no one comes to the Father unless it's through me I know you try to do it by good deeds I know you try to fulfill the law but every time you try to fulfill the law you will miss the mark and so what Jesus does is through the cross through his death through the life that he lived he said that I will be the bridge for you to connect with God. I will fill the space so that you can get to God. I will be the mediator so you can have access to God. And I want to let you know today that I know you might have fallen. I know you might have made mistakes, but we serve a Jesus filled with grace that says I can give you access. There is nothing hindering you. There is nothing separating you today. You have access to the throne of grace it says in the book of Hebrews I know you've tried to do it on your own I'm gonna try to fix my own life but you can't do it on your own I'm gonna try to do it on my own I'm gonna try to do it by my good deeds I'm gonna just try to think positive thoughts but you still you're still battling guilt shame you're still battling with trying to uphold things and it's only through Jesus through his life his death his resurrection that we have access to get to God and let me tell you, you don't have to go through anybody anymore. You have direct access to God. The Bible says that the veil was torn because of Jesus. In other words, the thing, the barrier that was there for people to get access to God, to have a relationship with God, it was torn apart through Jesus. And he says it's available for you. I don't know if anybody is grateful in this place that can praise God for Jesus and be grateful to know that through his life, death, and resurrection, we have access to God. That means you can pray on your own because you, you, you can be directly touched to God and you, and you can have access to him. You can get in the scripture on your own. Some people say, you know what, I don't understand a word, but you can pick it up and you can start reading the scripture on your own. You have access to it. The power of God through his word, you have access to it. You can live for him. You can serve him. Some people say, no, that's not for me because I've done, I've done too much wrong. I want to let you know it's available for you today. Guilt and shame cannot overpower the grace of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, and I'm closing with this. 
It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is grace. Uh, uh, Pastor, does that mean I could just live how I want? I could do whatever I want? I could just live my... And God is going to always forgive me and have grace for me because, you know, that's, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. Because he told the woman, he said, go, you're forgiven. But he says, sin no more. See, that grace, you have direct access to grace when you change your mind. When you turn from your ways, when you repent means a turning of ways, a change of mind. And you submit your life to God. You will see how he fills you with grace, with purpose, with hope, with joy. Everything that you could ever imagine from his love. Whatever your heart craves, whatever your heart desires, the thing that you're looking for can be found through his grace. So live based on your position and not your condition. Because if you listen to the criticism, what people say about you, talk about you, their opinions. No, no, what does God say about, about me? So I got to go into the word. How does he feel about me? What does he believe about me? What is the word of, about my life? And he says, you have been adopted. You're a son. You're a daughter. You belong in the house of God. Thanks so much again for tuning in. I hope that you join us the next time. If you are in the DMV area, please make sure to come out on a Sunday at 1.30 p.m. You can find more information at myhopecenter.org. And you can also stay connected to us on social media. We are at My Hope Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can search us up, connect with us, and uh, I hope to hear from you all and see you all very soon. So until then, peace, love, and God bless.